Greetings in the worthy name of the Lord Jesus. It is um, it is a joy to be here today and worship together. I'm thankful to be well mended from the last several weeks of uh, physical turbulence that uh, put me among the absent here for several weeks. So, thank God for solutions to those kind of things. I say I'm uh, I'm well mended. I uh, probably not quite a hundred percent, but uh, getting close, I think. So. Thank God. So, amen. It's good to be here again. And look in your faces. See you all. Thank you for the input into the service so far here, brothers. And... uh, and all of us together in worshiping and singing and praising God together, encouraging our hearts. <clears throat> For the message this morning, you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We have um, continue in uh, the book of Ephesians here. We'll... Uh, We'll look at several verses here and actually only use them as a springboard this morning and uh, spend most of our time in other scriptures, but uh, this definitely is the springboard to the message. Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 3. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. In this, uh, these several verses, Paul is actually reflecting back and taking the, uh, the believers at Ephesus, taking their mind back a little bit into where they had come from, where they had all once been. In time past, before they were saved, before they uh, heard the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, before they responded to that message, this is where they were. And I think most of us would probably agree that we also found ourselves in that place at one time. And also that um, much of our world is in that place is in the, in this very place even now. 
So that today's message I have titled, The Course, the Course of This World. And we're going to actually go through the scriptures and begin where the course of this world begins and finish where the course of this world ends. In Genesis, from Genesis to Revelation, we have its origin and we have its final, uh, we see it taking its final breath in the, in the book of Revelation. And there's quite a bit in between. We uh, try not to uh, take too uh, much time in some of these scriptures, but um, we do want to we do want to take a look at this uh, subject and hopefully be warned and encouraged and uh, perhaps challenged a bit concerning it. Why don't we um, maybe if we are able, let's stand together and and pray. <clears throat> Father God, again, we quiet our hearts in your presence here. We have your word open before us and we are, again, desiring that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher here today. Father, your word is truth. It is given for our admonition and for our learning. And today, again, we just uh, do ask that we could understand that uh, we would uh, under that you would give us understanding that you would that you would help us to see from eternity's perspective and so father we commit this time to you and again i pray i pray yielding myself to you asking father that you would speak through me and that uh, the words that are spoken would not be my own but that they could be an inspiration of your spirit and your word. So, Father, again, touch our hearts here today with truth, with grace, with your spirit and with your purposes. And with wisdom, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Maybe before we actually go into uh, uh, beginning in Genesis, I'd like to just make a comment about what is uh, the world. We've we said we're going to speak about the course of this world. What is the world? Here is a definition of the world. It is a coalition of spirits and humans who are in rebellion to God. A coalition, which basically means a, a um, working together, a pulling together, a, yeah, there, uh, and it's a coalition of spirits and humans who are in rebellion to God. And, of course, uh, we could ask the question, where did it all start? And we're going to look at that. And, and of course, again, we could ask the question, where will it all end? And we will look at that as well. <clears throat> I don't uh, believe I need to tell you that uh, 
for basically for the most part it had its we see its beginnings in uh, uh, Genesis uh, chapter three with the uh, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Uh, we do believe the scripture it actually has its start just a bit earlier than that somewhere when you know Satan and a third of the demons of heaven or I say the demons the angels. Uh, exalted themselves against the Almighty God and and uh, and fell from their places of grace and were forever doomed. Uh, and of course, then at the creation, we have in the garden here in Genesis chapter three, the Scripture tells us that the serpent was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field and. You know, it gives, it depicts the, a serpent there, and you know, somehow to this day the serpent is still kind of an enemy of mankind. But, you know, I don't understand exactly how that all was, but I think we all agree that the devil was the one who was, you know, whether he was in a serpent form or what it was, but it was the devil who, who, uh, who, you know, came to Adam and Eve and and uh, set them up for this, or came to Eve rather, and uh, began to question or put questions in her mind concerning what God had said about the garden and the trees in the garden, about the instruction that God had given. There was only one, uh, only one forbidden uh, item in the entire garden. There was only one uh, tree they were not to look upon or eat from amidst all the, all the trees. And yet, Satan, you know, tempted Eve to believe that God was withholding something good from her and, of course, convinced her to uh, try the fruit. And, and she then, in turn, convinced uh, her or she presented it to her husband, Adam, and he took of it as well. And there we have the beginning, we could say, of the coalition of spirits, meaning the devil and spirits and humans in a rebellion against God. There we have the beginning of it. We don't have to go far, uh, but one chapter further in the scripture of Genesis, and uh, we have Genesis chapter 4, where Adam and Eve had two sons, and uh, it's not long until there's conflict between these two sons, and one son rises up against his brother and slays him. And there, you know, there again we have this this uh, spirit of darkness working in a human heart, and and a again a uh, uh, a rebellion against God's plan and God's purpose, God's intent for mankind, and and there it goes. Uh, we could we could look at numerous scriptures uh, along the way here, but the next one that I'd like to just bring to our attention is uh, the one in uh, coming up to the time of the flood, which is Genesis chapter six. There's an you know, obviously there's an incredible amount that happens in those first six chapters. But the human race is, is, uh, is uh, 
being fruitful, they're multiplying, there's uh, people uh, multiplying on the face of the earth. And this rebellion against God is continuing. This uh, coalition between spirits of darkness and human beings is continuing. And God looks upon the scene in Genesis chapter 6. And we see in verse 5 that God saw that uh, the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, the creeping things, the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And we are all, if we're a Bible student at all, we, and have heard the Bible stories, you know, from probably children on up, that Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives were saved. Total of eight souls. <clears throat> and the rest of the human race, there was none righteous aside of Noah and his family there. Eight souls. I don't know what the population was at that point, but we had a population of people who were in coalition with uh, spirits of darkness against in, in rebellion against Almighty God, their Creator. And God looked upon the situation, realizing that uh, for whatever you know, for whatever reasons, God didn't uh, try to figure out ways to turn them back. I don't know, but He says that. Uh, Every imagination of the thought of the heart is only evil continually. And so God, in remedying, in, uh, in, uh, in, in uh, dealing with or in putting a blow to this coalition, God in just simply wiped the whole wicked race off the earth with a flood. Of course, it, uh, it was a temporary solution, I guess we would say. Uh, but I like to say that God has, over the years and over, over all, throughout all of history, God has, God has been, I don't know what for word I want to use, but He has been challenging that coalition. He's been coming up against it and demonstrating His power against it. And of course, here's one of them uh, where He does it. And there's, there's others, and we'll talk about them as we go. But God has not left this course of the world. Uh, he has not left it unchecked. In fact, if He would have left it unchecked, you have any idea where we'd be? You know, think about all the times that God stepped in and did something that put a, an abrupt check to this, the, to this whole uh, uh, course of this world. <clears throat> and there's a lot of them. We, we won't talk about near all of them today. The times that God uh, stepped in and uh, dealt a blow. 
to this, the course of this world. <clears throat> so this was one here at the time of the flood and uh, God destroyed uh, the entire race, basically, and saved Noah and his sons. If we go to Genesis chapter 11, we have uh, again, you know, now we're just a few chapters later. Um, don't know, the, didn't take the time to search out the actual time frame, but uh, again, the human race is multiplying. Uh, they're starting to uh, grow in number. And uh, in this, uh, in Genesis 11, it tells us here that the whole earth was a one language and a one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they, they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had, the children of men had, which the children of men built it. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down there and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. And here, the same thing was starting to happen again. And God of heaven puts another death blow to the course of this world. By confounding the, the languages of the people and scattering them all over the globe. So that they wouldn't collaborate together against, in a rebellion against God. So that they could no longer influence each other in rebellion against God. And God scattered them over the whole globe of the, globe of the earth. You know, it is, in, it is, it is very interesting to go into a very remote part of the world where no modern world influence has yet come. And you can begin to understand why God did what He did. There are still places on this earth that have not been, had much influence at all from our modern world. And Ivuna and the surrounding sub-villages especially is one of those places where you can actually get a glimpse of... Uh, of uh, of what a people actually look like and are like when they have not been influenced by this this modern world of our day and I, I and I want you, uh, and I need to clarify that uh, the course of this world is also there but there is a difference in uh, in uh, in. They, 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 they have a, their own, you know, all of us, all, all human race, you know, sin is in all of their hearts and sin is there. But they are so primitive in their sin and original in their sin that they, they, they just do not have the influence of this uh, modern uh, uh, coalition of humans and spirits that are permeating the entire uh, uh, developed world which we will talk about as we get to, down toward the end. Uh, it is getting there, and it's, it's getting to those uh, remote places, and it's getting there very, very fast. Uh, hope I remember to say everything I want to say about that later. 
So it's, it's it, it was an interesting thing that God did here, and He, uh, through that, He uh, held uh, the course of this world in check. Uh, in many, uh, put it, gave it a considerable death blow by confusing the tongues of men. We can go on in Genesis chapter 19. We have the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Here was a, a localized uh, town where wickedness was abounding uh, at an incredible rate of speed. And this particular town, um, as we know it, uh, uh, Abraham was interceding with God on behalf of, of Sodom. And he started at about 50 righteous and worked his way down to about 10. I don't recall the exact numbers they're used. but, but uh, And Abraham was interceding and God would have been willing if there would have been you know, so many righteous there. And finally, in the end, there weren't. And Sodom and Gomorrah were uh, destroyed. Uh, we have that in Genesis 19. Verse uh, 23 says, The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zor, and then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. And of course, it goes on, gives more detail, and we won't uh, spend a lot of time there. But again, here we had a localized town who had collaborated in rebellion against God to such a degree that there were not even ten righteous within it and God chose to deal, to, to do a death blow to the, to the course of this world in that localized area and uh, wiped out the entire population. <clears throat> We have... Uh, if we were to continue through the Old Testament here, we have, uh, you know, the children of Israel and their exodus out of Egypt. By the time Israel got out of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea, Egypt was a basically a destroyed nation. Uh, they had lost all their firstborn. They had lost many of their cattle. They had lost many, many things. Uh, they lost their armies. I don't know if the king went with it. Uh, we, uh, I'm not certain about all those uh, specific details. But again, a, a, a wicked nation, whom uh, a wicked people who were on the course of this world and God demonstrated his power over and over again throughout history in, 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 in human, in people's lives to, to, uh, to, uh, to, to deal with this, the course of this world and its its uh, destination that it was headed to. <clears throat> God has been resisting this evil course throughout history, but there's a uh, there's a bigger blow that God had uh, dealt to the course of this world. The biggest of all, I believe, is when God sent His only begotten Son die on a cross, that uh, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. <clears throat> First, in Second Peter 
chapter 2, just quoting a few verses here. Second Peter 2, th- chapter, Second Peter 1, verse 3 and 4. According as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so there we have uh, the scripture showing us that, uh, you know, we have escaped that corruption. We have escaped that coalition of rebellion against God and we have become a, uh, an ally with God. We become one of His. We've escaped that uh, course of this world and become partakers of the divine nature. Colossians 1, 13 and 14, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We've been delivered from the power of darkness. And the power of darkness is the power that is behind the course of this world. But the believer can be delivered from that power through Jesus Christ. And many have, praise God. Romans 8, verse 3 and 4, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I believe the biggest blow that God gave to the course of this world and to the, the, the powers behind it was when He sent His only begotten Son to die for the sins of humanity. And that men could then choose to be put their faith in Christ and be freed from the course of this world. And many have. You know, the numbers, uh, the revivals over the generations, the last 2,000 years. Uh, you know, revivals have at times swept nations, have uh, closed bars have, you know, many, many things. Revivals have, have uh, brought salvation to, to uh, many people and uh, stayed the course of this world. They really have. The gospel has had a powerful effect over, uh, over the last uh, 2,000 years. <clears throat> However, the scripture also does indicate that uh, as, the, uh, as the age winds down, uh, the course of this world is going to get gain a, a, a fairly incredible strength before it's all done. And so we would like to, to just look at that a bit here this morning. And talk a little bit about the course of this world in these last days. And we'll turn to Second Thessalonians to begin that subject there. Second <clears throat> Thessalonians 2. We'll just read verses 1 to 10.
Now, Paul is not necessarily focusing on uh, the, uh, the subject at hand is actually the second coming of Christ. But in giving some direction to that, he gives us some insight into uh, some of the end time fruit of the course of this world. Verse 1, now, be, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. <clears throat> All right, we'll stop reading there. Uh, here we have a uh, an individual who is uh, identified as a man of sin, a son of perdition, is called the wicked, and that there'll uh, there'll come a time when he will, you know, he'll be revealed. He'll make his presence in this world. It uh, it tells us that he is going to he's going to put himself in the place of God, and. The masses are going to worship him as God. The masses are going to worship him as God. He's going to come with the working of Satan. We will probably see more of this this uh, character in Revelation, I believe. He will come with the working of Satan. He will have all power. When we say all power, we're talking about incredible power. But it's all from a demonic source. Now, it's not, it's not more powerful than our Lord Jesus Christ. But He's going to have power. He's going to have power. He's going to be able to do all credible signs and incredible wonders. And He's going to deceive many. As it says, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. It's the course of this world. And in the end, on its last breath, this course of this world is going to demonstrate some incredible demonstrations 
of deceival, de- deceptions and powers and wonders and signs that are going to keep even the best wondering. I believe that. It's going to be so incredible that even the, 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 uh, the, the Christian are going to be, if they're not firm, they're going to be shaken by it. Uh, it's the course of this world. It's been working ever since the beginning of creation. It's been headed somewhere. But God has been hindering it and hindering it and hindering it and hindering it. But it's, it has a destiny that it's still headed for. And it's still working in that direction. Let's turn over to Revelation chapter 13. I would suppose this is probably the same creature here that we read about in Thessalonians. We'll begin in verse 1 of chapter 13 of Revelation. It says, And I stood up, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave unto him his power, and his seat and great authority. Now the dragon, if we can uh, just stop there for a moment, the dragon we have in chapter 12, verse 17, the very last verse there, we had this dragon was wroth with the woman and went and made war with the remnant of her seed and with uh, which keep the testimony which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, if we back on up to verse nine, that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, and was cast out into the earth, and all his angels were cast out with him. So here in in uh, so we don't have any question who the dragon is. <clears throat> Here in, uh, in verse 2 says, And this beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, the devil, gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Notice that. All the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? And who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things, and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him 
whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have ear to hear, let him hear. I think we'll just read on a little further here. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And he doth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he hath power to do in the sight of the beast saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast and that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and on their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six hundred threescore and six. Now I'd like us to notice several things in this scripture. I'd like us to notice that... Um, this... Uh, Of course, in verse 6 again, we have, uh, he opens his mouth in blasphemies against God, which uh, is similar to what we had uh, showing himself as God. Uh, like us to notice that um, uh, he, it was, uh, let's see here. He has power. Yes, verse 7. The latter part of the verse there, power was given unto, uh, was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Let's notice several of those things. This, uh, this beast is going to uh, be in a position where the entire world is going to worship him. They're, and for the, for the most part, they're not going to worship him because they are forced to worship him. They are going to be worshiping him because they think he is worthy of worship. They, he's going to be their hero. He's going to be their salvation. He's going to be their solution to life, uh, the world's problems. He's going to be the answer and they're all going to be convinced of it. And they're going to worship Him willingly. They're going, there's going to be, the, in this course of this world, uh, the, 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 uh, the influence of this world, uh, the, 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 the streams of humanity are all going to be led into a funnel of belief that this is, in fact, our answer. And they're going to bow to Him of their own will. 
because they have been persuaded. They have been deceived. They think this is it. And there they are, worshiping a, uh, uh, an, anti, uh, an antichrist, a, uh, uh, a devil, a, a being that is, uh, is uh, f- uh, filled with the power of the devil. That's, that is the course of this world. That is where it's headed. As a part of that whole package, eventually it will come to the place where uh, you will be killed if you don't worship. The remaining ones who are discerning and do realize this is not, this is not right. This is against God and we're not participating. And then eventually it's going to come to where they're going to control the buying and the selling. To where you can't buy and sell. Unless you worship. It's the course of this world. It says here that, uh, and I want us to notice this. He will have, uh, verse 7, power over, was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And of course in verse, uh, in verse uh, 15, uh, verse 16, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark. Uh, and again, I believe that includes those, those phrases there simply include all the nations of humanity. <clears throat> and, and what I'm really uh, uh, drawing on at the moment is the fact that this thing is going to be a worldwide thing. All the world wondered after the beast, it says in verse uh, uh, 3 and 4. It says, all the world wondered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon which gave the power to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? We see here a leader who has world power. And we see him yeah let's let's just uh, let's just continue this thought a bit. If I would have a board up here, and we need to get one, but I, I would love to draw a funnel and uh, you know have the end of this whole matter down here. And have a, 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 a wide funnel just funneling all the, 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 uh, the races of humanity into that funnel to where they all end up right here where we see them in, uh, in this scripture where they, where there is this, this, uh, this, uh, beast, this ruler. We're going to call him a ruler. And he is in, in power and the entire human race is, is, has been convinced that he is the man and they are, they are uh, at his feet. Now we want to see the end of that. Turn in uh, over to Revelation 19, verse 11. Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. 
His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his head, on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and, in, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And as I, and I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come, gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and them that sit upon them, the flesh of all men, both bond, free and bond, small and great. And I saw the beast, and the kings of, and, uh, notice this, I saw the beast, that's the same beast we were talking about. That beast that was uh, in world power. That beast that the whole world was worshipping him. The beast that the whole world was saying there's none like him. I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls of the air, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Here we have the end of, uh, of this particular king. And in a sense, it's, it's the end, but it's not quite the end of the course of this world. Because we do have, in the next chapter, Revelation 20, we have the devil, Satan, bound for a thousand years. And, and, uh, and then he comes out and uh, deceives people for a short time. And then he's ultimately he's wiped out completely. But I, for, this, uh, for the sake of our message here today, and for us, I'm going to basically stop at this point and, uh, and call that the, uh, the end of the course of this world. Uh, so there we have, you know, as we have seen it, uh, the, the, the course of this world is on a path. And the end goal and where it's going to end is that, as Scripture says, all of humanity is going to fall into the deception of this, this world power, going to bow at his feet, and ultimately they're going to gather their powers together and go out and fight against the very God himself. And God Christ is going to come and wipe, wipe uh, that beast off and, and, and deal with the course of this world in uh, in a final uh, a blow, final uh, uh, yeah, one final uh, war. <clears throat> the course of this world. Why did we say all of this here today? 
I'd like us to consider some things. In, uh, in Genesis 11, God said, Behold, the people is one. They have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. God went down and confused their tongues when they uh, were uh, uh, conniving together and were giving their, you know, were pursuing, were following the course of this world. God scattered them. God scattered world power. That was probably what would have been a world power at that point. God scattered it. God greatly deterred evil for quite some time by scattering them. Uh, but you, do you realize or do you recognize what is happening in our day? The day that you and I are living in. The scattered world is coming back together. Language barriers are being broken down. And the world is coming back together. And the world is on a course that will result in giving their allegiance to this demonic ruler that we've been talking about, that we were looking at. And we could say, now, how, how is that going to happen? How is that, this world going, how is the whole world going to be pulled together? To where they give their allegiance to this one demonic ruler. How is that going to happen? Any ideas? How is it going to be that over in the, in the back uh, bush of Africa, an African is going to give his allegiance to this world ruler? And I don't know where this world ruler is necessarily going to be sitting. And then down in Australia... There, they're going to also, they're going to give their allegiance. The Americans are going to give their allegiance. The Haitians, the, the Jamaican, the, the Hawaiian, you know, uh, the Russian, all of them. How, how, is, how, uh, how are all the hearts of men all going to pull together that at that point and at that time, when that ruler shows his face, they're all going to be convinced and they're going to bow at his feet and give him their allegiance. How is that going to happen? The key word is influence. The whole world is going to be influenced and guided into that. They are, they are, the, the course of this world is headed in a direction. And the, the masses of humanity are going to be funneled all into that very Belief, philosophy, whatever it takes to prep them. And when they get there, they're going to be ready for it. They're going to be convinced of it. They're not going to need convincing when it comes. They're going to be convinced. And it's going to be through influence. Now tell me, how is the influence going to happen? Technology. That is right. Technology. The influence is happening today already. It is it is moving in that direction at a rate. Uh, it has exhilarated. It is all, you know, this whole thing has been a, been a, um, you know, the, the works, the powers of darkness and whatever, they have, they've been on course since Adam and Eve. 
But we have seen in our generation an exhilaration of speed. As this, this thing is gaining momentum and power and it is headed at an un, uh, you know, at an unprecedented rate of speed that we have ever seen. And it's because of the technology that is breaking down uh, language barriers and world barriers and is putting the whole world in touch. Just like that. And just to show you how, uh, how amazingly this thing is working. Did you know that in the village of Ivuna and, and the sub-villages where I, they are of some of the poorest, I say that a little bit carefully, but there are some of the poorest and most illiterate people in the world in some of that area. And there, there's, there's other places that are similar. But did you, do, you, do you have any, do you realize that, uh, that they are in some ways actually ahead of us in a cashless society? Don't have my cell phone with me here. <clears throat> You can sit in the, in the scrubbiest mud hut in the surrounding Ivuna sub-village as long as you're in, in range of that cell phone tower and you have one of those little things called a phone. You can pay your bills. You can transfer funds. You can pay your neighbor if he has a phone. It's called e-peso. Tim, if he'd have a bank account in Mbeya, he could he could call into the bank, put his put put whenever he wants money on his phone. He could uh, uh, he could uh, another brother uh, he owes him money or something or wants to borrow money from him. He just pass it from his phone to the other guy, just just like that. Tim said he could probably buy airline tickets right now with his phone back in Ibuna. Unbelievable. But folks, this world power, this whole world is moving in a direction. And it is facilitated largely by technology. It has increased the facilitation tremendously. You know, obviously it started way back already when, uh, you know, thinking of the, of the, how this thing is moving fast and, and uh, breaking down the, the, uh, the barriers that God put, uh, kind of God put in place when he confused the tongues and he scattered people all over the globe. You know, just the airplane itself was a, an instrument that started bringing the world in touch. And, you know, we use that for good. We've, we've been able to take the gospel places and things like that, but... Am, Am I safe to say that the the ultimate goal in all of this, uh, while we are using these things for good and they have been used for good, the main power behind all of this is not necessarily for the advancement of the gospel. The thrust, the force that is behind it, the brains that are driving this thing. Would we agree that it is, the, it is the realm of darkness that is driving this technology to accomplish their end? I would, I would, dare, to, I would dare to suggest that it is. 
that the driving force behind it is actually being propelled by this course of this world with a clear direction where they're going, where it's going, where it's what its goal is, what its objectives are, and they're accomplishing it. It's accomplishing it. <clears throat> Bringing a world together. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it becomes very evident when you see what's happening in a little village of Ibuna. <clears throat> Basically, no other... Not much other Western influence, but there you have this little thing. They can pass, uh, they pass uh, music, all sorts of things, uh, tap into the internet, uh, little mud hut in Ibuna. So, <clears throat> why am I saying all of that? You know, you and I live in today's world and in today's culture, and uh, it's 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 the modern world. It's uh, it's the electronic age, and for the most part, You know, Christians respond differently to this electronic age in, 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 in their various levels. And I think we all know and would agree that, um, you know, there's no, there's no um, technology in and of itself that is necessarily evil. Not sure what you say about the mark of the beast. That's going to be a form of technology, and that's one that Christian can't participate in. Uh, so, inherit, uh, you know, the technology itself is not necessarily evil. It's more the uh, fact that the evil comes from those who are using it, as far as the evil power and influence behind it. I don't know if we would put a percentage on it. You know, if we could dissect what part of uh, this whole, just let we we'll just use the World Wide Web because that is what it is. It's the World Wide Web that is bringing the world together, and it's going to bring the world together, just like we said here in these scriptures, to where it will facilitate a world leader, and it will facilitate worldwide worship to this world leader. I don't know how much of uh, and 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 let me say this yet the world wide web is the influence power pack that is going to bring the whole masses of humanity together to the point that when this worldwide this uh, world leader shows himself they're going to be prepared to bow at his feet and it's the uh, it's the influence of the world wide web that's going to prepare them for that it's through that that uh, uh, and, you know, whatever else branches out from it. But it's going to be the, the, the main power source uh, of, of influencing the world. And it is. Uh, 
all of its all of its all of its uh, various aspects. You know, uh, I don't know what particular aspect is used more than another, but it's all one big podge of. My question, and I don't know how much we could look at it and dissect it and say, you know, uh, could we say 50% of uh, the entire electronic package is, is Christian and is a good influence and is okay and is right and is used right and can be used right, and 50% is evil and is uh, demonic and is what we've been looking at here where it's headed for this course. Uh, I guess I would dare to say that uh, it would definitely not fall out 50-50. I would tend to think it's probably going to be quite a bit higher on the side of the uh, demonic and evil and and por- portion of it. If we could dissect it, <clears throat> we don't have to here today. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, I'm only I'm I'm wanting to provoke our thinking. I am. I'm wanting to provoke our thinking. Uh, as as a church of Jesus Christ, it's so easy to become so enamored with these things, you know. And oh, the next fun thing that it can do, and and uh, and oh wow, this is great, you know. And and oh my, did you check this out, you know? And and we're so enamored by this thing, and we think it's like the best thing since toothpaste, maybe. Or we're just we're just caught up in in it. I, I want to caution us. I don't think we should be caught up in it. I don't think we should be enamored by it. I think we ought to recognize, uh, we ought to see what the, what, what the, the driving force behind all of this is. And folks, the devil hasn't decided that he, that we're, we're just, uh, we're just not a good target. He hasn't decided that well, his tactics just don't work on us. He hasn't decided that. He's not done with us yet. And I say that carefully, but I want us to realize that he's not done. He's going to try us. He's going to try to get us into that funnel and funnel us down that pipeline of all the masses of humanity to the place where we'll bow to this uh, demonic leader. Uh, he's not done with us. I had to think again as we talked about uh, again uh, we talked about Sodom and uh, how God destroyed Sodom. And this time I'd like to focus a little bit on Lot. <clears throat> you know, we all know the story of Lot, you know, in Genesis 19 there uh, Abraham and Lot had their cattle and their herds and and uh and uh Lot uh, there was strife among the herdmen and the, they were trying to raised their cattle in too small an area so they had to find a solution and so Abraham graciously told Lot to choose his area and whatever he chooses he's going to go the other way and find a different area and so Lot lifted up his eyes and he gazed around I don't know if he took a full panoramic view or what but down there towards Sodom the grass was green there's a lot of water down there it's a good place to feed my cattle and so he headed down towards Sodom of course, we know that eventually, at the end of that whole deal, he's, we find him inside Sodom, and uh, and when he came to uh, to uh, 
for the angels to come and actually rescue Sodom and uh, or our Lot. And I'm I've often wondered what would have happened if Abraham would not have interceded for Lot. But Abraham interceded as he did. The angels went down there to rescue Lot. Lot went out, talked to his sons-in-law, and they mocked him. Lot finally, the angels finally did drag Lot and his wife and two daughters out. But, you know, what did Lot actually come out with? If you evaluate it. Lot actually only escaped himself. If you really stop think. His daughters that were married to men in the, in the city wanted nothing to, you know, didn't hear him. His, uh, his wife looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. And his two daughters that escaped with him were perverts. So what did Lot have? He only had himself. And I don't know how pure he was anymore after having been in Sodom. And so I guess my, my question to us is, if in fact this, uh, this technology is, is highly loaded with this, uh, this demonic uh, course of this world that is headed where we saw in Scripture here, if in fact it is, how close do you want to camp to it? How close do you want to get to it? How uh, relaxed do you want to be with it? How much do you want your children just perusing around on the internet and Facebook and Google Plus and all those kind of things? How much do you want them just getting comfortable and, wow, this is great. Boy, I'm glad I'm alive today. Life would have been rough if I'd have been born in Grandpa's time. They didn't know anything about internet, you know. It's that kind of attitude that really concerns me. I don't feel like we understand the, the monster that is, 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 uh, is hidden. And they're not even hidden that much. But we, we just relax. We just think this is great. You know, yeah, we know. It, oh, I know it has lots of good uses. And I, I'm, I, we're going to be using it. I, I'm, not, I'm not telling us to throw it out necessarily. But I am... I am uh, I am definitely making a strong appeal that uh, that that we really consider how our attitudes about it. I think this thing is a lot more destructive than than uh, and has a lot more potential to to uh, to uh, eventually take some of our some of our young ones or some of us with it if we're not careful. Um, and I'd like to. So I'd like to challenge us about our attitude about it. I think there's, you know, uh, most of any one of you that are hunters, you probably, and if you don't, you should have a gun cabinet where you keep your guns and the cabinet is locked and the ammunition is in a different cabinet and it's also locked. If you're really careful, that's what you do. So, a gun is a useful tool, but oh my, if it's in the wrong hands, it can be incredibly destructive. And we're going to use internet. We will. We, we, we live in this age, and I, I do not uh, believe that uh, just burying our head in the sand. And, uh, but I do, I do, I want to, I want to, 
to challenge our attitude about it, to realize that thing is no toy. That thing is no toy. There is that the world has a plan. There is a course. There is a there is there is a power that is largely behind uh, this thing, and they're headed somewhere, and they're going to take the the dregs of humanity with them, uh, and they are doing it. Um, and the second thing I like to to challenge us is, you know, are we using it more than we need to? You know, do we have to do everything on it that we're doing? I'm going to let you decide that, I guess, for now. But I want to challenge you with those thoughts. Do we have to do everything on it that we're doing? Um, You know, it it actually crossed my mind when we read in Hebrews 11 there uh, at the end of that chapter. Our time is is slipping by here. But let me go back there again to Hebrews 11 just briefly here. says, And what more shall I say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also, and of Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, moreover bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, in mountains, in dens, in caves of the earth. And all of these, and these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. But look at their, their, their situations. Uh, sawn asunder, slain with the sword, wandering about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented, uh, wandering in deserts and in mountains and dens and in caves. That's quite a contrast when you contrast that to, uh, you know, I'm going to say sitting in a nice American home with all my screens and buttons and connections to the world. And uh, that's, that's kind of a stark difference, you know. Where are we actually at in our faith and so on if we're trying to continue to pursue, uh, stay in touch and stay on top and stay ahead and stay uh, abreast all that this world is offering um, so, the course of this world, we've seen its end there in Revelation. You know, <clears throat> I'm just not sure how close we want to camp to something that's going to end in that that uh, Revelation 19 war that uh, Scripture speaks of. So let us be warned. Let us be sobered. Let us uh, consider, as uh, the songwriter says something about, 
is this thy world a friend to grace to help me on to God? I think that's a good thing to ask ourselves as we relate to technology. Again, understanding that we will use it, it has some uses, we're going to use it. But I think we do well to ask ourselves the question, is this a friend to grace and is it helping me on to God? Let's stand together for prayer. Our God, our Father, we do again just quiet our hearts before you. Dear Father, do just be jealous over us and keep us in this day. We acknowledge that there are many there are many things that the world does throw our direction. And we want to be wise. We want to be discerning. We want to be understanding. Father, we want to keep our garments. We want to be of that number who, if necessary, give our lives for our faith. Rather than bowing to the powers of darkness, Lord, do grant us continued wisdom and discernment as we continue to run this race. You have put us in this life, in this generation, and we believe, Father, that your grace is sufficient and we are trusting you and uh, just asking that uh, you would make us wise as serpents and harmless as doves, Lord. Bless each one present here today and uh, grant each one wisdom and grace for their own life's experiences and responsibilities and uh, duties that uh, we find ourselves in, Lord. So we can commit these, these few words to you. May you bless and minister to our hearts according to your purpose and will, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. <clears throat>